Hey guys, this is episode one of The Voice of Reason, and I'm your host, Baby Oprah. All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. This is the voice of reason. 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 I'm Baby Oprah. Voice of reason. Reason. Voice of reason. What are you doing out here tonight? Baby Oprah is hilarious. She is honest. Charismatic. She's fucking hilarious. Her sense of humor. She is funny. She's always down for everything. Ever. Like, so loyal. She has so much, you know, enthusiasm about her. And a teaspoon of ratchet. Open-minded. Yeah, she like the auntie that you never had, right? But she's also very honest. Um, straightforward. And creative. So she's going to tell you the truth. It might hurt, but she's going to tell you anyway. She's very dependable. She's a go-getter. She's very witty. Her spirit. I feel like she's always the first in the path to want to go after things that she wants. She's a really good friend when you look at her circle of people. Everybody just really loves her. She's OMG. Are you really doing this? <laughs> finally, right? Yay! I'm finally yes. starting my podcast. It's like so overdue, would you say? Um, I know if a lot of you guys are listening to this, you probably um, know me in real life, but also know that I had a blog by the name of kingkitty.com. Yes. And I know I took a little hiatus. Um, I started a new job working for BET. Life got a little crazy and I had to adjust to my new schedule. But I took a break. And during that little break, I decided that I wanted to transition the blog into a podcast. So yeah, I'm finally doing it. I've been talking about it for so long. And I finally got the time, the courage... And most importantly, the time again to do it. So, yeah, I'm excited. All righty. So, what's <laughs> up? Listen, baby Oprah. Listen, I know you're used to getting the questions, the advice, and you're used to giving. Mm. But we want to know about you. I want to know about me. Yes, you know we want to know about you. We want to know about your life. We want to know about the skeletons in your closet, all the good stuff, nooks and crannies. But I'm so boring. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not today. I'm so it's nothing interesting about me. So, we over here, yes, we want to know about you. So, I have a few, I'm going to say a few questions for you. Do you mind? I don't mind. I'm pretty open. I think I'm an open book. So, I know through this podcast is going to be about, you know, um, me probably invading into other people's lives and people sharing thoughts. So, I will be more than... I don't know. I think it's more than right for me to kind of. Yes, definitely. Give a little bit of myself. So, yeah. Definitely. So, yes. What you got for me? What's your philosophy in life? (sighs) It's going to sound very cliche, but honestly, do what makes you happy. Mm. You have to live with your consequences. You have to live with the choices you make. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way you can deal with life and mm-hmm. how it responds to your actions is to do what makes you happy and do what's true to you. Sometimes later on down the line, you're going to realize you did some dumb shit, mm-hmm. but it's easier to own up to your own dumb shit right. than to own up to dumb shit somebody else influenced or you did for the satisfaction of somebody else. So do what makes you happy and be true to, to yourself. As long as it makes me happy, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. That's just what I that's what I live by. I yes, honey, word of the wise. All right. What's the one thing you would like to change about yourself? If I could change anything about myself, honestly, is I wish that I was more vulnerable. Mm. I struggle with vulnerability and I think is I think it's because how I was raised, like I was raised by my dad. Um, my mom was deported at a young age, so my dad had to raise me, my sisters and I, for um, until from nine years old until I was about twenty. How old was I? Yeah, twenty four. So I, I don't think it's just because he was a man, but me also being a middle child. I don't know. I just grew up very close, and I just don't feel comfortable with being vulnerable. And I wish I was that way because now that I'm getting older, and like dating. 
Yeah, I, I'm too much of a thug, and it kind of gets in the way sometimes. Oh, look, we so, got a baby, baby thug. My we thug got a like baby thug over no, here. No, I really wish I was more vulnerable. I wish I was more in tune with my feelings. I think I express a lot of my vulnerability through anger. I think a lot of people can definitely relate to that. Yeah, it's hard. So no shame. It's hard. I'm trying, though. Okay. Now, are you religious or spiritual? Hmm... <laughs> that is a constant battle. One, I truly believe in God. Um, I think religion has been altered. The idea, the thought of religion has been altered by man. So I kind of get nervous with gearing towards the religious side. I do have a religion and I do practice my religion the best way I can. However, I don't... I believe that I'm more spiritual because I feel like with religion is so much politics behind it. It's like, how do you, um, sometimes I think religion go against each other because it's like every religion downs another religion. And it's like, how are we all a child, a child of God or whatever under God, but we have all these differences. And I do believe that religion was used as a as a, a form of world control. Mm, and it's it, anything men, man, as men, Mankind, we're not perfect. So I do believe it was altered throughout time. That's and right. because of that, I get towards the more spiritual side. Like you've been around. I honestly, I say this all the time. The number one creators of atheists are religious people. Because mm. you will find the most shadiest, mm. ungodly people in the churches and mosques and all these religious places. And I feel like they kind of... You know, you get this, you're taught about this idea of God and then you see these people who are supposed to be the, I guess, the front line of him, so to speak, because they they put their religion out there and they're very outspoken about their relationship with God. But then they also have these practices that kind of go against what he preaches, Mm. I guess. So, I mean, when it comes to religion, I'm just open to whatever God has to show me. And sometimes, you know, I grew up in a Muslim household. But, like, when it came to, like, I'll pray to God about something and he'll bring a Christian to kind of answer my prayer in a way. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, a Jewish person. So, I, I don't, I, I'm not really big on religion. I feel like it's a gang. And I don't be, I, I just rep God. Like, I don't be going as hard as the religious people. So, I guess I answered that question. Okay. Yes, I do. Um, let's see. Okay. How many questions do you have for me over here? Probably 30 more. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, okay. All right, just to get a tune with your intimate side. Which parent are you closer to and why? Um if I could I love both of my parents. My dad passed away a few years ago. I would say I am the closest to my dad because I am very similar to him. My personality it's so much like him. And I don't know. I just, I, I really like not only that, but my dad was really like a hero to me. Anyone who knows me, even if you never met my dad, you probably know so many stories about him. Like I remember in college, I would just like on Saturday nights when we had nothing to do, I would just sit down and tell a bunch of stories about my dad. So I think I was the most closest to my dad. But now that my mom is here, like I said, she was deported when I was a kid. So when I turned 25 after my dad passed, we applied for her and she was able to come into the country. So I'm building a relationship with my mom now. So I, I get, I'm getting closer to her too. I have some cool parents. Like they're really down to earth. Yes, I, I can attest to that. I call them mom too and dad. Yeah, my the good thing my parents are very older. And for anyone who's ever been like my my dad before he passed, he was 69 and my mom is 60. And I think for my generation, that's considered old. Mm. For you know, that means my mom had me around like what 40 something. They both were in their 40s when they had me. Right. So that's that's pretty old. But I think we're having older parents it kind of they give i think older parents are more lenient on their kids i think people who had their kids at a young age i don't know something makes them become more strict on their kids but my 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 mom and dad weren't strict at all like they gave me a lot of freedom and honestly it made me more sheltered or made me more responsible at a young age okay okay so is what you're doing now what you always wanted to do growing up absolutely i i always i love to talk anyone who knows me knows i love talking and this podcast is guest talk for days (laughs) this podcast is a 
is a form of me, you know, exercising that passion. But my ultimate goal is to inspire. And that's what I hope to get out of this podcast in general, to inspire others just through my life and my story, my opinion and my ways of living. So, yeah, this is something I always want to do. Right now, I'm currently working in the entertainment industry and the sales side. So um, I always just wanted to do the things that I love. I live by that. So I've never stayed at a job for over a year. (laughs) I'm always just trying to find a way to make this life more, I guess, worth living. And I think what makes life worth living is pursuing your passions. And your passion isn't necessarily a career title. I always tell people this is not a career title. It's exercising the God-given gift. Whatever that gift is. I think before he created everyone, he gave you a gift. And your gift isn't a career title. It isn't, oh, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. That's my passion. That's There's no such thing. Because back in the day, there were no such things as these things, these career titles. But people still had passions. I think your passion is as simple as trying to inspire or to create or... Uh, to bring people joy, to be dependent. Like those type of things are passions. People, certain people are passionate about that. Uh, like the smallest things, like just making someone laugh makes mm-hmm. makes you feel like you had your day or helping someone out through a difficult time. And I think you just find career th- titles throughout your life to kind of match that passion to a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's where you got to find, that's when you, your, your passion becomes um, something bigger to what we consider a career title because you have to find a way. I mean, the ideal American dream is to have your passion cut you a check at the same time. So I could say that I'm doing that. I'm still trying to find myself and we're going to be finding ourselves together throughout this podcast. But I do think where I am, I'm working towards doing what I love or what I imagine. What was the question? Imagine, yeah. Always wanted to do. Yeah, what she said. Look, what she said. (laughs) All right, all right, okay. Now, what's your look? She she messing up on the question. I'm just having some technical difficulties here. Okay, okay. What's your favorite book slash movie of all time, and why did it speak to you so much? My favorite book. You know, I'm going to talk about my favorite book right now. I read a lot of books, but that Charlemagne book, Black Privilege, I really love that book. Yes, honey. Because it's, it's so related. I could relate to Charlemagne like 1,000%. Not only is he like basically a mogul when it comes to the radio industry, but he uses his life story of coming from nothing to something. And that's another reason why I go by the name of Baby Oprah. It's not that I'm just fascinated about babies. I mean, baby Oprah's, Oprah's, uh, you know, empire and what she's doing now. But it's the fact that she came from nothing and created something out of that. And I think that gives other people who who are in similar circumstances or who are in circumstances that aren't ideal at the moment. It gives you hope that Mm -hmm. you can change your situation regardless of anything. So that's that's my favorite um, book, my favorite movie. Any Wayans Brothers movies, like any of their movies, I think they're funny as hell. Like, I really think in my past life, I was one of their sisters. They're funny as fuck. I love all of their movies, all of their parodies. If I could spend a day with the Wayans one day. It'll be lit. It'll be more than lit. Shit'll go down. <laughs> okay, okay. Now we're going to get into your little personal sound. We want to know about your love life now. So tell me. What is a relationship deal breaker for you? Oh my God. What is a deal breaker in a relationship for me? Yes, for baby Oprah. Uh, like, I have to know that you, not that you have something going for yourself, but you want something of yourself in life. Mm. Because I think that's the only way people will kind of, someone could understand me. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes to the outside, to people who don't have like, goals or just something that they're passionate about. It don't even have to be career goals. I'm not talking about you have to have dreams of becoming a millionaire, but just something that wakes you up in the morning, you will understand someone else's grind. Because to to some people, I can come off like selfish. I could come off detached or like all about me. But it's like, if you're in that mode where it's like, yo, I got to be where I need to be, where I say I'm going to be in five to 10 years. And sometimes I get in these modes I, I shut down. Mm. 
or like you people may not hear from me and I need someone who's on that same type of I guess I guess mental path mm-hmm. and um and then also I believe that a guy um a guy can't completely love a woman unless he is complete yes. with himself mm-hmm. and I don't trust people who are just like oh I love you I want to be all about you like I that's a deal breaker that's a real deal breaker to me in addition to like the basics like cheating lying like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so yeah I have a few deal breakers okay 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 I see you there we got to the deep side but so let's see I mean you all deep in all of that but are you into looks or brains oh my god am I into, am I I'm not that shallow mm-hmm. I have a like you have to be cute to me but I don't think I have a a look like you know how some people like I like light skin I like dark skin if I look back on the guys I've dated they all look different like there's nothing that I could connect them physical wise I'm definitely more into brains you I you just have to I mean I, I feel like being smart is subjective but you your brain like I really like picking people's brains and it's not even just about academics like everything your outlook on life your philosophy your your how you feel about yourself so I think brains definitely means more to me than looks Mm, okay okay but I also still have to like how you look Okay, so what you trying to say here? You want, I'm just saying. Say pick one. Yeah, no, I can't <laughs> pick one. I just can't. I, I got to think you're cute, too. Like, otherwise, you just got to be friend zone. Okay, okay. You heard on that. Uh, let's see. Now, would you ever take back someone who cheated? No. But I don't judge any woman that would do that. I just know. I think you need to know yourself mm-hmm. because certain relationships or certain personalities aren't aren't able to handle a cheating experience. Me being me, I ho- I hold grudges in a way. I'm a grudge holder. And I'm like, I'm a person that's like, okay, I'm going to be a bigger person. I understand where you came from, blah, blah, blah. Whether we come to an understanding or it was a, an issue we were having, I hold on. Like, I'm sensitive. I think that's the word. I'm very sensitive. So I hold on to things that people do to me. Like, whether I forgive them, that's one thing, but I really hold on to it. And I know I will continue to be petty. Like, I would say I forgive you, and it would just still be like, because it would still play in the back of my mind. And I feel like, even, no, even, like, if someone cheats and they're truly apologetic about it and is over it, they don't want to be reminded of it over and mm. over and over again. Mm. I just can't promise that I can let something like that go. Right. And I I, I'm not, I wouldn't be comfortable. That's just an unhealthy relationship where like someone's trying to move forward from their mistake and the other person keeps bringing it up. But mm. I'm petty. I'm going to bring it up every chance I get. Like, or I'm going to try to, I don't know if I would, re- I don't believe in retaliating by cheating back, but I do believe in retali- retaliating. And I don't know, for me, maybe that will be violence. I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to. I don't even want to test myself on that level. Depending Baby on how long Oprah, I've been you're, with somebody, you're letting us know you're spiritual and violent at the yeah, same time. Nah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm really. I'm really. I hold on to things. Like I'm very sensitive. So I. I really, especially if I didn't cheat on you first. Mm. Like how you gonna cheat on me? You should have gave me a memo. Like this is what we was doing. And like I would even gave like if I really love the person. Okay, let's take a break. You know what I'm saying? I see it's going down that road. We need to break from each other. And then do whatever you have to do. But if you cheat on me, especially if we was going through a hard time and I I held strong, I, I can't forgive that. But I do think it, it could be forgivable. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not that mature yet. I'm still growing. Okay, so let me see. This next one, I'm, I'm curious to know your answer to this next question here. How do you feel about sharing your password with your partner? <sighs> I don't mind. I actually been in a relationship where I shared my password because I would, if I'm in a relationship, I don't have anything to hide. Mm. But also, I'm not saying that. I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna be like talking inappropriately to other guys or like. But I also expect that I'm. I'm like very outspoken. I have a lot of male friends, but genuine male friends, and I speak like a single person a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I'm in a relationship, I'm still going to talk single. Not to someone that's trying to, you know, holler at me. But I'm going to still act regular. I don't feel like I need to be a robot. Like, I'll make certain type of jokes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, like, if a friend was to ask me, is this person cute? I would give my opinion. Like, you know, I still want to be myself. So, I would expect 
the person I'm dating to know that about me. So I don't mind sharing my password, but I wouldn't share it if I feel like I'm in, like, I would have to offer. I can't be with somebody who's like, I need your password. I need this. I don't know. I would have to take the initiative, like, here, take my password. Or, like, if, if something goes off, I just, you know, like, you have your phone and it lock up. Right. You know it's suspect. It just looks suspect. If someone's phone lock up and, like, your part, like your boyfriend or your girlfriend's phone lock up. And they're like, oh, I was just watching something and it locked. And it's like, oh, okay, give it to me. Let me put the pass. It's just like, but if I offer to give you the password, yeah. Is, do I think it's a, it's a, it's a, I guess, a, a necessity to give your partner your password? No. Okay. No, unless they pay the bill, then that's another story. So, when do you think a person is ready for marriage? <laughs> no. Crickets? I can't even say it. I ain't ready. I mean, I think is when you're really willing to go through, like, through it all with somebody. Like, if you're really there, what it says, through sickness and through health? Till death do what Till death do you part. Like, I really, I think marriage is so watered down now because people really be okay. Like, I could just get a divorce. He cheated on me. I could just get a divorce. She did this. I'm not saying you should stick through anything, but before you even get to the part of marriage, you have to already know the worst of worst of this person. Because it really is till death do y'all part. Like, even with that, the situation with Tammy and Waka, people was really, like, like knocking her for taking him back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Even though, like, first of all, she made him go through some stuff. Like, she made him prove himself. And I feel like he did. He really, like, went hard to want his, you know, to show that he wanted his family back. But at the same time, it's, I don't think the voice should be looked at as, oh, he threw the littlest thing. I'm going to just... Sign these papers. Like, no, before you feel like you want to get with somebody, you got to understand that you're willing to go through the worst of worst with this person. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would have to leave me. You can't. I think people take marriages so lightly now because they take divorce so lightly. Oh, I could just. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I don't play. I do believe in the spiritual side of marriage. I'm not the logistics. I think the fact that it's like you know the the state the government gets into it and it's about money and all this stuff. It becomes tricky. Like some people just be. I would say with celebrities or rich people, some people are just looking for that divorce to get that that money if they're entitled to it or whatever. But I believe in the spiritual side of it. Okay. Okay. Now, what would you do if your parents didn't like your partner? Hmm, would that be a problem? It was, if I really, really like, if this is, if I know I really, really love this person and my parents don't like them, I would, I don't care. I'm going to still date him. I don't know. It depends. Everybody got to, I, I trust my judgment. I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. And I know if I, if I love somebody and I introduce someone to my my like my partner to my parents is because I've already they already went through the test with me now I feel like in certain situations like parents they know their kids like yo you know if you know that you just be falling for every guy that come your way maybe you need to take heed to your parents because you probably blind to the things that they aren't but I know like today to get with me after like I put you through every test like so if I reach the point where I know I'm satisfied with the person I'm with I don't think anyone plays a part into making me feel otherwise okay okay now do you usually stay friends with your exes oh no I don't believe in that it's against my religion (laughs) I don't believe you can stay friends like actually I lied I believe that I can but I don't believe there's ever been a situation where there's been a mutual common ground like yes we're gonna be friends Mm -hmm. somebody still have feelings and it's usually the person who didn't do the letting go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Somebody right. still is connected. And, like, regardless if, like, I can say, oh, well, I don't have feelings for him anymore, but he still have feelings for me. So, I mean, I'm going to still be his friend. No. If you are, you don't even want to drag that person along either. Like, if you, that whole, oh, let's just be friends thing, that is the worst thing you could say to somebody after breaking up with them. I don't believe it can work genuinely. I mean, I don't consider you my friend unless I could talk to you about everything. Like, so if you say, okay, let's just be friends, best believe I'm going to be hitting you up asking for advice about my new nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think like, if you, if you don't feel like you can, this is how I look at it. Ask yourself this. Can you, can you record your ex having sex with somebody else as a friend? If you say no, 
then you are not ready to be friends with your ex. Let it go. Mm. For real, for real. If you could really like record your ex. That's some good stuff. And no, for real. That's the only way you can ask yourself if you're ready to be friends with somebody. If you can't record them having sex with somebody else as a friend. I know it seems far-fetched, but for real, you really got to think about that. Like, That's true. That's a good then concept. No, then no, I don't believe in being friends with your ex. That shit is a trap. Okay. If you are in a bad mood, do you prefer to be left alone or have someone to cheer you up? Oh, I like to be left alone. Like, sometimes I like being in bad moods. I don't know. Like, not all the time, clearly. But maybe because I'm genuinely a happy, social person. It's like, when I'm in a bad mood, it's like, it, it humbles me. Like, it puts me in a space where I'm forced to really deal with myself. Whether it's a sad mood. It's, I think you get to know yourself in your most vulnerable states. And the most vulnerable you could be, vulnerable you could be is sad or mad or affected neg- negatively about someone. And I think sometimes it's good to soak in that. Because it forces, if you're a person that's always finding something to, to oh, I'm going to just hang out with my friends. Or I'm going to... I'm going to do whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Looking for reasons to kind of run away from that. You're not going to get that opportunity to really get to know yourself. Like, you know what I'm saying? The things that affect you are, means the most to you. You know what I'm saying? Whether somebody was disloyal to you, if it really hurt you that bad, that says a lot about yourself. And you need to kind of take that time to really, I guess, self-evaluate, like, why am I so affected by this? Regardless of what it is, I think time spent alone is better when you're, I mean, not all the time. There are people who just like to soak in their anger and mad, you know, whatever, when they're angry or sad. But sometimes when you're, when that initial feeling, you can learn a lot about yourself from that. I like to be left alone. And then I'm dangerous. If I'm not left alone, I'll take the anger out on the person. And they don't have anything to do. Like, the Chinese still could forget to give me an extra duck sauce. Like, you know what I'm saying? An extra duck sauce for my shrimp roll. And if somebody's just all in my face, I'm just going to take it out on you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Rather than taking my time out to say to myself, like, why are you really that mad about duck sauce? Like, like you know? And then just be like, okay, maybe I'm not that mad. You need that time alone to figure yourself out. I guess that's what I'm saying. What do you think of best friends of the opposite sex? I have them. I love, I love, what? My best friends, my, my best, my male best friends, like, I would say, believe it or not, are probably the closest to me only because it's just a certain level of, a certain level of connection that opposite sex have with each other outside of sexual. Like, women can learn more about themselves through men and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Because, I don't know. You just learn more about yourself. So I think it's okay to have. Now, when you're in a relationship, there is a boundary. Like, there's people who, like, my friendships with my males, to me, are genuine. There are some people who low-key have a crush. And you, you're trying to hide behind the best friend title. Or you low-key, like, you know, romanticizing about this person. But you you kind of living off the role of them being your best friends. I don't believe in that. Like, if I like you, you are no longer my best friend. Okay. You got 21 days to become my nigga or um, I'm slashing tires. Say that. No, but for real, I don't think, I don't, I think with the opposite sex, there has to be a level of respect. Like your male best friend can't be hitting you up at 3 a.m. Like, mm, and you have I a agree. whole man that you're at home with. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got to learn how to establish those boundaries once you get in a relationship. But having them, I think everyone should have a friend of the opposite sex. A genuine friend. Right. Do you judge a book by its cover? No. I don't judge anybody. I know it sounds like the right answer to say, but I truly do not judge anybody. Like, I actually, I would say all of my friends, my close friends are bitches. Like, no one liked them in high school. They just come off mean or like, I just, I love people who like, I don't want to say I just like who are who could possibly be misperceived. I like to dig deeper into people, so I, I don't just accept the cover as it is. So I, no, I don't judge people. Okay, are you confrontational? I am. I am confrontational, and I don't. People put a negative 
no to it, but it's not negative. I like if I feel a way about something, and nine out of ten times before I even approach a person about how I feel, I first talk to myself. I like to talk to myself. So I really have the conversation with myself first. And I try to resolve emotional, like I said, I don't like being vulnerable. And I take being angry and being sad as being vulnerable. I don't like for people to know that they got to me. Or I don't like to, like, because I'm sensitive, I don't like coming off sensitive. So I try to really think with myself, like, am I tripping? Am I wrong? But once I, I'm like, I tell myself, like, no, you're not tripping. You need to say something. Then, yeah, I cannot continue friendships or any type of relationship without expressing myself. I like to express myself. So I don't consider confrontational, but I'm definitely not a person that's going to hold something in if I, if I feel any way about it. So, yeah, I think more people need to be straightforward and just like, I mean, say what's on your mind. Or how you feeling, regardless of how you feel or how it's going to make the other person feel. Because mm. you live with the consequences. Sometimes you could think that someone, you like, you know, you think like you're mad because someone did something to you. Whole time they don't know they did something to you. So you losing sleep or you got this, this heaviness on your heart. Meanwhile, they sleeping like fucking lavish on a king size bed and not even feeling like they did anything to anyone. So I learned that lesson. I learned to like... Regardless of if I make the decision on whether I'm going to deal with that person or not, if I'm going to continue to be friends or in a relationship with that person, I learn to let people know, too, regardless. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't just think, oh, this person did something to me. I'm going to just let it go. I'm going to cut them off, F them, and just never tell them. No, I'm going to let you know so when you go further in life, you understand you don't do this to anybody else ever again. Or maybe you understand this about yourself and know that, no, that's not how you move. With me or with anyone else. And then if I still put it in my head that I'm going to cut you off, I'm going to still cut you off. But I'm going to let you know. I think that's the most courteous thing you could do to anyone to kind of help them grow as humans on this earth. Mm. Let me snap a few times for that one. Okay, okay. When was the last time you broke someone's heart? I think um, it was um, my longest relationship. One of my, before this one, my longest relationship, it was about two weeks, very long time. Um, <laughs> he wrote me a poem and like, I told y'all I'm a little awkward when it comes to that vulnerability stuff. So it just, it threw me over the edge. I was like, I got to end this relationship. So the following week, I had my friend lie to him and tell him that um, I cheated on him with her cousin. And he was, his dad was dating her dad. So it kind of seemed like it was his cousin too. Long story short, um, he ended up running into me and like, was like so angry. And I'm like, the crazy thing is he was angry, but what, it still wouldn't break up with me. So I just turned to him like, I don't want to be with you anymore. And he's like, you're breaking up with me? And I'm like, bruh, you need to be breaking up with me. I told you I just cheated on you. But yeah, I think that's, I broke someone. That's the, the I think that's the only time I really broke someone's heart. Jeez, that's why it took me a while to date after that. I realized like I gotta be, I gotta figure my life out first before you can't, you can't just be jumping into these relationships. I do get it, relationships is about trial and error. But if you are the error, fix yourself first before you get in relationships. If you know you struggle with commitment, if you know you're struggling in life, if you know that. You are just still not one with yourself. Don't jump into relationships. Like, I think people are still cool with being fuck buddies nowadays. Like, you can actually ask someone, like, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure my life out. I'm not ready to commit. Do you want to be at? I at least let them know that's what you're looking for and then move forward like that. But I don't think you should. What's the quote? A co- only a coward awakens someone's heart without the intention to love it. And loving take tools. And you, if you don't have the tools, then... If someone don't love themselves as... I don't care how many times they try to tell themselves that they love somebody, you don't. You got to love yourself first. And loving yourself consists of fixing yourself. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, if you're the ever... What did I say? I like how I said that, actually. Relationships about trial... Relationships are about trial and error. But if you are the error, sit your ass down figure your life out before you go trying to find love and Quote me, quote me on that, y'all. Quote me on that. That's that's mm. like a picture caption or some shit. Or oh, that's a meme. Yes, honey. Mm. Okay, okay. Now, would you relocate for love? No. I would relocate for a job, for a check. 
It's not that deep. I don't know. Maybe because I'm a person that that's why I say I'm a person that thinks with my head before I think with my heart. And it, it it could work out sometimes, and it didn't work out in my favors most time. But that's just my natural instinct. Like when, if I think like, oh, oh my god, I lo- I could love this person to death. But the way my mind works is like I think, of, hold up, I'm gonna relocate there. I don't know nobody. What if his ass cheat on me? What if he leave me? What if I, like that's how I think. I I cannot be blinded by love. Like my my mind just races a mile a minute, and I think like as soon as that question even pops up, I already have two hundred scenarios of what could go wrong. And before my heart could be like, oh, but I love him. My brain be like, bitch, don't. So I truly believe I would never relocate for love. Like, unless I have a, a job of my own, a place of my own, making good money where I know I can t- do a U-turn any two seconds. Like, that's the only way I would ever, like, put myself in that type of predicament to have somebody have that type of power over me. Over my future, let's say. Hmm. Did you ever write a journal? Yes, I write journal. I write in my journal all the time. Like I, first of all, I believe in a journal. I think anybody over the age of twenty one should have a journal. I think at that age, life just start hitting you hard. You don't even get a chance to really spend time with yourself and also express yourself. Like you know what I'm saying. I think once you become an adult, everyone doesn't give a fuck. Like, and I, I think that's okay for society to think that way but I think you should still give a fuck about yourself and like express yourself like you know after a while like I said the excuses of what happened to you where you grew up like I was a single I grew up in a single parent home um even little things like being abused or like after a while after a certain age you can't let those type of situations victimize you to the point that it affects you into your adulthood because eventually it becomes uncurable. You know what I'm saying? So I believe in writing a journal because it helps you kind of express those thoughts. And for me, going back and reading my journals, it kind of give me like an answer to all the questions that I've been trying to figure out about myself, believe it or not. I just write. I don't think about grammar, punctuation, none of that shit. I would just write, 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 write. Give it a day, go to sleep, wake up and read it. And then I will have some sort of clarity or I guess the answers that I'm looking for. So I definitely believe writing a journal. It's not corny. It's not cheesy. For men, it's not girly. I do believe that everybody should write a journal, write in a journal and get their life. Do you believe in second chances? Now, the grudgeful side of me want to say no. But yes, I do believe in second chances. I think, but you, you have to, I don't believe in giving second chances blindly. You, after the first mistake, I think this, the person should tr- prove themselves regardless of what the mistake was or what the situation is. I don't believe in giving second chances blindly because that's just like giving your hand to the fire. Like, oh yeah, it burned me, but let me just try it again. Maybe it won't burn me this time. No, like... You need some type of, you need, people have to prove themselves. Like you got to put a check on yourself. Like after, I think in relationships, not just romantic relationships, friendships, even with family members, it's like the first chance when it comes to loving, trusting someone, giving yourself someone is a risk regardless. I don't care if certain people just like, oh, I like their personality. This is my bestie now. Or we went through this together. So now we're the closest. No, it's still a risk. Nothing determines what's how someone's going to treat you. Humans are always going through their own phases of life and their phase of life determine what your, what child relationship is going to be like. So the first chance is usually a risk. And once someone gives you that moment to show you who they really are and it turns you off in a certain way, you, they need to prove themselves by the say, you got to put a price on yourself. Like you realize, okay, I don't like this. This person needs to know I don't like this. And in order to be my friend or my partner, I need to know that this is not going to happen again. So I'm sorry is just enough to be forgiven, but not to forget. Change behavior is the best apology. So I don't believe in just giving these second chances out like it's four piece nuggets at Wendy's. Okay. You need to treat it like it's Ruth Chris steak, the good steak, medium rare. I am so dead, but this is so true. Okay, once again, this technical difficulty. 
all the questions for me, huh? Yes, yes. We're trying to know you in and out. What's the one thing that people always misunderstand about you? Um, that I am happy all the time. Mm. I think everyone, yeah. like, that's the worst type of misconception to have about you. Because I think that moment where you're not the life of the party, the clown, the class clown, or the the happy-go-lucky person, everybody all of a sudden is like, oh, she's shady, she fucked up, she ain't a bitch. Like, you know what I'm saying? You get every negative word thrown to you. And I think that's the misconception of me. I'm just a person that likes to deal with my negative feelings alone Mm -hmm. so not you know unless it's spur of the moment i don't believe in like for me it's for me it's a form of politeness i don't believe in bringing your ugliness into others people environment you don't know what somebody could be going through like i could like i could have just had good news and somebody just come especially if that negative energy wasn't caused by me don't come around me being like i i cannot stand people like that like you invite them to parties or you invite them and they're just the negative nancy just killing everyone's vibe i don't believe in being that person so whenever i'm around people regardless i'm always putting my best foot forward and just bringing the energy that needed for that environment but because of that and because of that people don't really get to see like the downside of me and it's like in moments where it's just uncontrollable because let's be realistic it happens everyone's just like you know what i'm saying or everyone has like a a, every i guess it hits people a little bit harder than the usual so um yeah that's the biggest misconception you can have about anybody but i tell people all the time i don't trust happy people like I'm happy I'm kind but I don't me personally like I don't trust happy people I don't trust um people that are just like you know it just seems like they have no emotions 24 7 like even though I don't express my my negative emotions to people I'm sure my friends know I have them I'm big on talking about them or whatever but people who just act like they're happy 24 7 that's scary so I don't think that anyone should go through life thinking that everyone someone's just happy like you know what I'm saying or someone is just happy go lucky so you gotta like when they show you that that side that doesn't seem so happy you gotta kind of sometimes understand it especially if it's coming from a person that's you may have not always seen in that state before so yeah I think that's my biggest misconception what are your thoughts on online dating or Tinder? I tried it. I'm not even going to lie. And I didn't even try it realistically. It was just that I had a, a friend. She found her love of her life on Tinder. And I didn't know what Tinder was. I didn't really know what online dating. You know, I, I thought I was still on the level of that's some creep shit. But actually, I'm learning that it is the thing especially now with me being in the corporate world like people actually go find their soulmates online it's not for me i would say that i'm really big on the story of how me and my love of my life is going to meet and i don't think online day i would if i did meet my love the love of my life online i'm not telling nobody that it's going to be a lie even our kids let us get married and have kids yo daddy was um he was walking down the street and he saw my hips swaying and he came up to me and bought me flowers. I'm coming up with an extravagant story. I just think like, I mean, I get it. Online dating is the thing now and it actually makes sense because the older you get, the less you have time. Ain't nobody trying to find their soulmate in the club. And think about it. Outside of working, the way America's set up, you work the majority of your day away, like your life away. So... Some people don't really don't have the time to really go out there and meet people the authentic way. I just don't think it's for me. Cause I my like I said, my mind overthinks my heart. So I could be I can talk to someone online, which I met someone on Tinder, like me and my friends all made it a joke thing. So we were always like, Oh, I was talking to this person on Tinder. And it was a really it was a nice guy, but my mind is always thinking, Kadi, he's a rapist. He's going to find you. He's going to kill you. Do not go. And I, before I can even think, oh, this guy has a great personality. I already thought of ways that he's going to cut me up in pieces. So I just can't. My mind won't let me do it. But shout out to all the people. I actually have some good friends who met some really good, who created great relationships from meeting someone online. So power to you. If a genie granted you three wishes right now, what would you wish for? 
Money, money, and my own money. <laughs> no, okay, money is at the top of the list. Oh, wealth. Let's not talk about money. Let's talk about wealth. Just all of, you know, just being comfortable, being happy, being healthy. Um, I will also wish for a bread factory. Like, oh my God, like fresh bread. I could just eat bread. I eat bread as a snack. So if Virginia could just give me a bread factory when we make unlimited loaves of bread. Just bread. I don't need no butter. I don't need peanut butter and jelly. I don't need none of that. I just need fresh bread. I would just be like the happiest person in the world. And um, to go on a date with Oprah. Or matter of fact, that, a date. To be adopted by Oprah. That would be like, that's my top three. Okay, baby Oprah. Now, what's your biggest regret in life? Oh. My biggest regrets, um, I don't have anything specific, but any any opportunity I had to do something and I doubted myself. And this goes way back into like elementary school. There, like in elementary school, I was super, 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 super shy and not as talkative as I was now. I was so insecure and like just would be scared to even speak. And there'll be times where like, the teacher will ask a question and I know the answer in my head and I'm telling myself in my head, like I know the answer, but I wouldn't raise my hand. And then when somebody else will raise their hand and give the answer, that shit will hurt me for the rest of the day. I promise you, I swear to God, since I was a kid, like I, I would not let that feeling go for a week. So eventually I had to force myself to get over my insecurities and my shyness. And that's, I mean, that's how I was created. I promise you, I remember in like fourth grade praying it away, like literally praying to God, like I have to stop having this feeling because it hurt more to lose out on an opportunity because of self-doubt than someone else telling me no or telling me I'm wrong. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I would have raised my hand and had the wrong answer, that would have, that would not, that would have hurt less than how I felt when I knew the answer and I doubted myself. I gave myself the no without even, you know, receiving that no, you know what I'm saying? So... Mm. It, there's been times, you know, when I got older, I realized I would doubt myself with certain things. And I'll see someone who will get the opportunity. It's like, girl, you could have got that. Or you could have did that. And it was only because of myself. I think our biggest blessing blocker is ourselves. And you have to make sure you are not your own enemy or you you are not the person holding yourself back from more opportunities. Mm. Deep. What do you think about when you're by yourself? My future. I'm a future. I've, I've realized this is actually a thing, being a futuristic person. I am like, I'm always into my future. And like, I don't know. I just always think about my future. I daydream a lot, a lot, a lot. I actually almost got hit by several buses because of the way I daydream. Like I could be in the middle of the street and I just look up to the stars and just start thinking about my life. But I mean, it's gotten this me this far because I realized like everything I've accomplished so far has been a dream. And sometimes a dream doesn't have to be extravagant. A dream is something that is not in your, that you haven't seen happen in your current life, either with your family members or anyone else. Like for example, with me going to college, none of my family members ever went to college. I never had that as a reality in my life. So for that, that's always been a dream for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's always been something that I consider a dream is something that you feel like you can't touch. I haven't seen anyone in my life do it. The most I've seen with college is TV. Like, you know what I'm saying? Watching different shows, like um, a different world. You know what I'm saying? So once when I for me to go to college, it had to be a dream first. It had to be like, I right, I ain't never seen nobody do this, but I want to do it. Let me let me let me figure out how I'm gonna make this dream come true. So just and I will always daydream. Like I didn't even have the grades to make it into college, but in my mind, every day in high school, I I never had a boyfriend in high school. My whole idea was like I'm gonna meet my boyfriend in college in my dorm. I'm gonna have my little cute little. This, I always, like, the, however they would depict the college life on TV, I would daydream about that. And eventually, I didn't meet my man in college, but I did make it to college. <laughs> That's good enough. But, like, it's just little things like that. Like, I didn't have a major. I didn't know what I was going to major in. I didn't have the grades at all. I didn't know the process. I didn't know what school I was. I didn't know what school I was going to until a month before I was accepted. 
So I wasn't one of those kids who already had a list written and knew what major I was going to have. No, I didn't have that type of... I didn't even know what a GPA was my senior year. I didn't know that. And this is going to sound crazy, but I swear to God, I went to the same school from... I went to a performing arts school. Shout out to Cicely Tyson, School of Performing and Fine Arts, from 6 through 12. I never knew that they were still holding on to our grades. I really didn't know. And to be honest, I never even thought, even though I daydream about college... I never felt like high school or middle school was ever going to end. So when the senior year hit, I'm like, yo, it's really over. Like you have guidance counselors coming and talking to you every week. And it's like the first meeting they had with us was everyone had to come up and get their GPA. And I'm like, what's the GPA? And it's like, you're, you know, your cumulative, you know, grade point average for all four years that you've been in high school. And my shit was low. It was like C minus 2.0. I used to do just enough to make sure I can get into the talent shows because you had to have a certain GPA to be in the talent show. And I was in this pop and dance group. So I had to make sure I always made that C average. You know, I just I just made sure I had good grades. So I just made sure I passed at least with a C to make it into the talent show. So that's that's only that's the only thing I would think of. So when I realized my GPA was like a two point you know, something, it wasn't much to work with. And like, bad enough, my SAT scores weren't like sky high. It was average as well. So I really had to do a lot of talking whenever the, um, whenever the, you know, what they call the counselors or whatever, the academic counselors would come in from different colleges. I would be on their ass. Like I used to be all in their face. Like, Hey, um, we, I just talked to them about anything, but I would just show my personality and eventually it stuck. And that's how I got into college. And I graduated with like a 3.6 GPA. So it turned around, but I think, um, thinking about your future and just not even thinking, not having a complete answer. You don't need a a specific plan like my future is gonna look like this this that but you should have an expectation of yourself like I didn't know what school I was going to I didn't know where I was going what major I was gonna be I didn't know any of that but I did have an expectation of myself to go to college and that expectation alone I used what I had to get to that expectation so as long as you expect greatness from yourself you're always gonna get greatness on all different levels so, yes, baby Oprah. Well, I see we got to know you today. Yes, I'm glad that I wanted. I'm glad that you actually had these questions for me because I wanted to use this first episode to kind of put all of me out there. And I will continue to do so throughout the rest of our time together with the Voice of Reason podcast. Um, you guys could expect so much from this podcast, it is exactly what the title means. I don't consider myself to be the know-it-all or I have all the um, the answers. However, I do believe in the fact that I can be the voice of reason when it comes to a lot of situations that we go through in this society. And uh, we're going to be covering different hot topics in popular culture. I am a fan of the arts. Went to Performing Arts Arts High School, and I'm also working for BT, like I mentioned earlier. So you guys can expect that. But I also want to uh, tackle different like social issues, relationship issues, drama. Um, to get a little idea of what you will get on this podcast, feel free to take a look at my blog at kingkitty.com. That is K-I-N-G-K-I-T-T-E-E.com. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye.